Good evening, friends, fans, and fiends. Welcome to our pop-up ghost story night. It is Friday night and we are looking at Labor Day weekend. Are you as excited as I am about the extra day? Just what are you going to do with your extra day? Will you find yourself in an old New England burying ground wandering amongst the gravestones? Perhaps you'll find yourself traveling down an old dirt road and discovering an abandoned house and questioning what's going on inside. Perhaps you'll find yourself at the seaside, keeping a keen eye to the horizon to see if there are any ghost ships about. So many places in New England and so many stories. Just how are you going to spend your time exploring New England this weekend and discovering a strange tale or two? Well, that is a way of life for us here at New England Curiosities. And welcome if you are just joining us for our pop-up ghost story night. It's so great to see all of you again. My name is Roxy Zwicker from New England Curiosities, and I have been doing ghost tours in Portsmouth, New Hampshire for long about 20 years right now. And I've been collecting ghost stories and telling ghost stories Oh God, all my life, but pretty much since 1994 in Massachusetts. So tonight we're going to explore a couple of very, well, it'll probably be more than a couple, a couple of really, um, really cool ghost stories and maybe places that you can go and visit that have ghost stories. So I'm really excited to be here for our pop-up ghost storytelling night. And as always, when we get ready to begin, there's usually a few things to share with you. And I try to save a few things um, from our um, Wikicurious Mondays when we do our live radio show from home. But I always try to save a few nuggets for you guys that tune in um, every month. And we have been doing this pretty much um, since the end of March. We were actually doing it weekly for a time. Now we do it monthly. So um, I did save a few announcements for you. So I am sitting here in my backyard, accompanied by my dead friends. Actually, I am accompanied by my dead friends because there is my burial ground that is right over there, like literally a stone's throw. So um, I'm back here because when we do our next pop-up ghost story night for October, we're actually gonna be doing it from the yard but starting next week, um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be turning our yard into a spooky haunt, um, complete with lights and pumpkins and all sorts of things. Um, I actually used to do a long time ago a walkthrough haunt. And because we're not doing our trolley tours, we have all of our trolley decorations and pretty much an entire storage locker full of decorations, <laughs> if you know me just a little bit. So we're gonna deck this out into a really cool yard haunt. And we're gonna be doing our Wicked Curious Radio from back here. We're gonna be doing some ghost stories um, and lots of other things. So um, maybe we'll take you around, but we're really gonna just deck it out back here for you guys for the next month. So that way you can kind of hang out in our spooky space. So I'm really looking forward to uh, getting all of that together and sharing it all with you. Um, also there's um, 
A few other things that I wanted to mention, and then um, we'll get right into the story. Then we'll take a break and give you a couple more updates and then get back into another story. So um, coming up early in October, I haven't picked the date yet, but I'm going to be doing an event that I'm calling the Halloween 5 and 10. Um, I grew up in Western Massachusetts. That is where I got my love of ghost stories. And we had the Route 5 and 10. And I used to love to travel along the 5 and 10 and see, you know, the old farmhouses, all of the stories, the burial grounds, things like that. And that's what really piqued my interest in ghosts. So the Halloween 5 and 10 is going to be a little bit inspired from that. I'm going to share some stories from the 5 and 10. And um, this will be a free event um, coming from our spooky backyard. Um, probably on a weeknight. Just don't know which one yet. And what I'm going to be doing is um, kind of answering a, a few questions that I've been getting um, because there have been no, um, no uh, you know, artisan shows or anything so I haven't been able to sell my wares so I'll be selling some spooky things for five and ten dollars <laughs> um, you never know what could pop up it could be books could be crystals um, could be Halloween decor could be vintage items all sorts of really cool stuff and it's either gonna be five or ten dollars and I'll be telling you ghost stories from the five and ten so that's gonna be the Halloween five and ten so I'm super excited about that now I did mention that tonight I'll be doing um, some giveaways so let me just tell you about those giveaways straight away and then we'll pop into our first ghost story for the night so out from the archives I have um, a massive collection of these Victorian calling cards these actually come from Maine um, they date back to about 1850 or 1860 so I'm going to be giving some of those away tonight you don't really have to do um, a whole lot and I also have some antique or vintage pictures from our archives as well so if you are interested in inheriting a little ghost to perhaps make part of your Halloween decor, um, I'll be giving away three packages tonight. So I'll be looking for, of course, your comments. And if you comment, just let me know that you're interested in the giveaway. And I'll go over the giveaway once again when we get to the end. Um, and I'll just put together a little vintage care package for you. Um, so just let me know where you're from. And let me know if you're interested in the little care spooky package that I'm going to send out to you from my archives, which is really cool. So you're going to get a vintage photo and some antique calling cards. And you know those people's names on those calling cards have since passed away, so they could be ghosts. So very, very cool. I'm super excited because I really love to give back to you guys. Um, I'm just, I'm so glad that you show up week after week after week. So again, if you want to be part of tonight's giveaway, go ahead post what location you're watching from and that you're interested in the giveaway and I will pick someone from the list. All right, so we have lots of things to talk about, but let's get into our first story. Now, our first story comes from a place that you can actually visit. And it's one of those places when you walk inside, you are like, who was this person that built this place? was this and why is it so strange and you look over your shoulder and you might have expect him to still be there in fact he is still there he is buried right next to and I cannot call it a house but a beautiful castle now of course 
Where might you find castles in New England? You're gonna find them everywhere. They are all over the place, but this is a really special castle. And there's a lot of myth, there's a lot of superstition built right into the castle. So we're gonna crack open one of our favorite books here. And that of course is the Massachusetts Book of the Dead. So perhaps you've seen this book before. And have you figured out which place we're talking about? We're gonna be in Massachusetts for this story. We're gonna be on the ocean for this incredible castle. And you definitely, definitely wanna check this out. So we're gonna crack the pages open of this tomb and we're gonna tell you our first story tonight. So settle in. So John Hayes Hammond Jr. was a true Renaissance man. He was inventive, imaginative, and most of all, resourceful. As a little boy, he visited Thomas Edison's laboratory with his wealthy father, the South African diamond mining magnet, John Hayes Hammond Sr. The young Hammond pestered Edison with so many questions that Edison took him under his wing and acted as his mentor. The two remained friends until Edison's death. Hammond would indeed follow in the inventor's prolific footsteps and become second to Edison himself in regards to finding the most invention patents ever filed. John Hayes Hammond Jr. had created over 800 inventions and he held 426 patents in the fields of radio, television, and radar. Hammond served on the board of RCA and did significant work on remote control via radio waves, earning him the title, the father of the remote control. Who knew, right? A passionate traveler, Hammond had a deep love of all things European and historic. In a letter to a friend, he wrote, For the last three days, I motored many miles through Europe. After traveling all day, I would arrive at my destination to see a church, a cathedral, a town hall, a scrap of Roman wall or viaduct, a coliseum or an ancient theater. It was always a piece of architecture that suddenly dissipated the obscurity of time and brought the living presence back of all ages. It is in the stones and in the wood that the personal record of man comes down to us. We call it atmosphere, this indescribable something that still haunts old monuments. You can read history, you can visit a hundred museums containing their handiwork, but nothing can reincarnate their spirit except to walk through rooms in which they have lived and through the scenes that were the background of their lives. It is a marvelous thing, this expression of human ideals in walls and windows. Hammond certainly expressed himself in the walls and windows of his New England home, a medieval style castle complete with a drawbridge, which he dubbed Abadiah Mare. It was built between 1926 and 1929 on a steep hill overlooking the Atlantic Ocean in Gloucester, Massachusetts. The castle is divided into four sections, each epitomizing a style in European architectural history, 
Romanesque, Medieval, Gothic, and Renaissance. Which is your favorite? You can tell me in the comments there. So, Romanesque, Medieval, Gothic, or Renaissance. Which is your favorite style? Some of the architectural details include a round library, a basement war room, and even an indoor pool with a life-size nude bronze statue of Hammond. The courtyard where the pool resides has a weather control system that was installed so Hammond could set it whenever he felt like swimming in the rain. The castle was an expression of all things Hammond loved and his behavior showed it. A joyous Hammond was known to leap cannonball style from a second story window into his courtyard pool. Fascinating artifacts can be found in Hammond's home, which is now a museum. There is 15th century skull of one of the mariners who sailed with none other than Christopher Columbus. So when I first saw this skull walking into his castle, it was amazing. You could just imagine this 500 year old skull with these cracks going across it. One eye socket was a little bit ajar and it was sitting in a metal box, just staring back at you from the display case. Absolutely eerie, very gothic and very interesting. But let's continue. Hammond felt that he too was an explorer and that he should honor the spirit of an explorer who came before him by placing his skull in his home. How macabre. In some ways, he thought that he could connect with his spirit and gain inspiration. Hmm. There are relics around every corner of the castle that have unusual connections to the dead and the spirit world. There is a real marble sarcophagus of a child from second century Rome that is on display. Okay, can we just stop here for a minute? Where do you even find a second century sarcophagus of a child from Rome? I antique all the time. You know me, I'm always looking for the weird and unusual so I can bring it back to New England Curiosities and share it with you. But where do you find something like this? And how do you even get it here? And the child's still inside? Let's continue. All right. There are also ancient Roman tombstones within the stone walls that are thousands of years old. Can you imagine building your house out of ancient tombstones? So you build a stone wall and there's tombstones in that wall. I'm sitting in front of an old stone wall here, which you can see behind me. Where I am used to be all old farmland. This stone wall, maybe 150 years old, possibly 200 years old. But can you imagine filling in all those little spaces with tombstones? Well, imagine, I know I'm not in Rome, I'm here in New England, but can you imagine, well, I'm gonna fill in all those gaps with some old tombstones. All right, let's continue. All right, so, Above most of the innumerable doorways and many windows are hundreds of expressive gargoyles within the stoneworks. Now we know gargoyles traditionally were thought 
to be protective spirits that as soon as the night fell that they came awake and alive and they would fly about making sure that there was no danger no intruders coming to this place so imagine you're walking around you're looking at this ancient sarcophagus this old skull all of these ancient gravestones there all of this just happening as you're walking in someone's house a labyrinth of hidden passageways and secret doors are hidden behind the looming walls of the castle. Some of the more massive doors in the castle are thousands of years old and were brought over from Europe. I mean, can you imagine, like, he must have had his own ship to bring all of this stuff over. I mean, just incredible. And if, you know, you are one of those people that believe in objects holding energy or having some sort of spirit attached to them. You know, there are some people that believe objects can be haunted and they can have some extra sort of story to tell. Can you imagine all of the stories from just all of these artifacts that we're describing? All right, each had its own fascinating history. Many of them were authentic medieval dungeon doors. Now, if there isn't anything creepier than a medieval dungeon door, come on, how amazing is that? Well, here, let's, you know, let's go into the sitting room and I'm just going to open up this, you know, medieval dungeon door down here. Now, how creepy is that? All right. In fact, the castle has its very own dungeon tower, complete with a large collection of medieval weapons. I mean, come on. If you're going to have all of this stuff, you know that you're going to need at least to have some sort of dungeon tower, right? All right. The Great Hall is one of the most impressive rooms in the castle, with its 60-foot ceiling and ornate stained glass window. At one side of the room is an incredible pipe organ with 8,200 pipes, the largest organ ever installed in a private home. The Great Hall was one of Hammond's favorite places to entertain. In fact, he would often stage Shakespearean plays in the hall and invite people such as George Gerswin, Cole Porter, John D. Rockefeller, and Ethel and Lionel Barrymore. Hammond was an avid spiritualist who believed in the paranormal and seances were regularly held at the castle. So now can you imagine all this stuff brought from all over the world He's having seances as well. Ah, so cool. He even conducted a number of psychic experiments at the castle with Eileen Garrett, one of the 20th century's most prestigious mediums and psychic researchers, a woman after my own heart, right? Hammond set out to prove that psychic energy really existed, and he also hoped to enhance it if possible. During one of the experiments at the castle, he constructed a Faraday cage to isolate Eileen. Faraday cages were designed in the 19th century to block electromagnetic waves so that undisturbed paranormal research could be conducted. According to local legend, it may have been during this experiment that a spot on the floor of the Great Hall was bleached out by psychic energies. Before John Hayes Hammond died in 1965, he had his burial tomb built. The tomb was designed in an ancient Aztec style. I mean, at this point, why not just go all the way, right? And it looked like another 
otherworldly artifact from antiquity when it was completed. Hammond liked to go outdoors and sit on top of the tomb on a regular basis and have lunch. Well, hey, listen, why not? You know what? You're eventually going to be there. You're going to be buried in this spot. So why not get acquainted to it and have lunch on your future grave? I mean, this place and this story just seems to have everything. All right. He enjoyed bringing visitors out to tour the tomb before he died. And people were quite surprised to see that the locks to the tomb door were on the inside rather than the outside okay hold on here what is going on locks on the inside of the tomb instead of the outside was he planning on coming back out like what's going on here all right so after him and death he was entombed as he wished along the border of his property however due to financial difficulties the organization that operates the castle had to sell the land where John was entombed back in 2008. John Hayes Hammond was disinterred from his tomb against his wishes. All right, so if you're looking for a reason for a place to be haunted, let's stop and think about this for a minute. He went to this great length to have this beautiful tomb made with all of this detail and they sold the land in which he was originally entombed and moved him to someplace else, which I have visited his grave. So, all right. So John was disinterred from his tomb against his wishes and reinterred in the courtyard garden at the back of the castle. Now I'm gonna show you, we still have a little bit more to go with the story here, but I am going to show you the gravestone. Now I know it's Facebook, so it's gonna be backwards, so just kind of hang with me here. But this is not the grand tomb that he had envisioned. So there it is right there. You can see it's really, really kind of simple right there. Not that grand spooky tomb that he had described. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you think right there, like we've got the reason why the place might be haunted? But we have so much more to go. So I sit tight here. Some people believe that John's spirit has returned to the property as a black cat that roams the grounds. It was common knowledge that he wanted to be reincarnated as a cat as he was completely fascinated by them. Often he would take in cats that came onto his property and when they died, he had them preserved in formaldehyde. Okay, so now more strange things for our spooky cabinet, right? So now he's collecting all these cats that, you know, passed away from natural causes, and he's, you know, figuring someday that he might come back as one. He even named one of his cats Boo. How cute is that? In fact, John originally was interred with some of his Siamese cat's remains. Well, you know, you don't want to be you know lonely in the afterlife i guess a stray cat once frequented the same stone bishop's chair that hammond liked to sit in and smoke in and guests touring the castle have reported feeling a small animal brush up against their legs Ooh, spooky is it him ghost cat many who have visited hammond's tomb have also claimed to have heard the muffled sounds of crying cats when no one is present 
The fascinating circular library was one of Hammond's favorite places, and he spent a lot of time in there while he was alive. He owned an extensive collection of books on the occult and spirits. Many caretakers have reported finding these books left open and lying on the desk, carelessly thrown onto the couches and chairs. Disembodied voices are often heard in the library as well as throughout the rest of the castle. One of the spirits is believed to be that of Hammond's wife, Irene Fenton, whom he had secretly married in 1926. Irene was quite depressed in the great castle and she gradually became reclusive and unhappy in the marriage. Irene was also an accomplished artist and she painted the walls of her bedroom with colorful scenes of animals, trees, and flowers. Then she painted a wide railing over the scene to show how trapped she truly felt. How heartbreaking is this? Irene is often seen gazing out of a window of the Italian villa, villa that overlooks the indoor pool. So when I went in toward this room, if you can kind of imagine this beautiful countryside painting just taking up all of the walls, beautifully rendered. And then there was this railing painted, a barrier between her and the world that was out there. All right. The ghosts that wander the lonesome halls of the house turned museum make their presence known on a regular basis. A ghostly shadow man has often been seen in the organ loft. Now, how Phantom of the Opera is this, right? Well, even when the door to the loft is closed and locked, he is still seen wandering about this strange place as a man in shadow. The pipe organ in the Great Hall has been known to mysteriously play itself as well. Now, if, if you've never heard a pipe organ, can you imagine you're walking through this grand castle and all of a sudden you hear it. Doo -doo, here comes the sounds of the pipe organ. Oh my God. All right. The castle is often the setting for fairy tale weddings. These weddings are often attended by unknown and uninvited figures that circulate amongst the guests vanishing when anyone tries to get close to them. And they have even shown up in wedding photographs. Oh, so let's take a look at my wedding album. Here's my brother-in-law, here's my sister-in-law. Who's that in the back? No one that I invited to the party. Can you imagine? I mean, this place just has everything. Many people believe that there are two reasons why the castle and the grounds are so haunted. One theory is that Hammond's belief in spiritualism was so strong that he actually returned to prove that there is life beyond death. I mean, honestly, if you had the ability to do that, even just to come back for a moment to say, you know what, it's all true. There is life after death. Would you do it? So the theory is that Hammond did. What do you think about that? Others believe that since Hammond was disinterred and placed in a simple grave against his wishes, his spirit cannot rest. So, hmm, what do you think? What do you think? Do you think that that's him as a cat, as a ghost? 
I mean, there's there's a little something to this guy because he was totally into it. I mean, that was his thing. Um, you know, spiritualism, contacting the dead, um, all of what was going on around the preparations for his burial. It's just incredible. So I find it to be quite intriguing, don't you? Let me see if I can um, show you one of the pictures of the castle that I had taken. Now I know it's gonna be backwards, it's the whole Facebook thing. All right, so you ready? So here is one of the areas of the castle as you walk in. But there is, um, there's a drawbridge, there's a cliff, um, there's gardens, and they actually used to do a Renaissance fair there um, for several years, which is pretty fascinating to see everybody dressed up in Renaissance clothing, and I'm sure the spirits enjoyed it more than ever. So um, what are your thoughts about him and Castle? Um, located again in Gloucester, Massachusetts, which technically the, the little ville is called Magnolia. And it is just amazing. So if you have the opportunity to check out Hammond Castle, I cannot recommend it enough. It really is such an incredible place. And if you are looking for ghost stories, you definitely owe it to yourself. Now, there's a little bit of a homework lesson on our first story right now. So imagine this. Some years back, <laughs> uh, there was a band who was looking to film a music video. And not only were they looking for a cool place to film a music video, um, they were actually calling in none other than Lori Cabot from Salem, Massachusetts to do a ritual in this video. So your homework lesson for our first story tonight is to actually look up on YouTube when we're done tonight, um, the video by Godsmack called Voodoo. And that was actually filmed at Hammond Castle. According to production notes, that there was energy, there were strange things that were going on during the filming of that video. Now, again, you know, we weren't there, so we don't know. Maybe they're just tall tales. Maybe they were truly experiencing something. But knowing all that you know right now about John Hayes Hammond Jr., wouldn't it just make sense? So you definitely want to check out um, that beautiful castle if you have a chance. Even if you, um, you know, if you live on the North Shore in Massachusetts and, you know, you don't want to go in, um, you can see so much from the outside. There's a huge parking lot. You can park in the parking lot and take a walk around and take pictures. We took tons of pictures when we were, th we were there and the view is absolutely amazing. And um, you'll really just even enjoy it from the outside. But if you get a chance, you definitely want to go inside. Notice how it's getting dark out. How cool is this? Although, you know, we are kind of gonna be missing summer a little bit, I'm sure. But, you know, fall comes, autumn comes. Um, so, a couple of things uh, before we get into our, um, our next story. So, tomorrow I actually do have two walking tours. That's two, 
two walking tours. Um, I actually have, believe it or not, um, our Wicked Haunted Waterfront tour. So if you're interested in Portsmouth's old red light district and all the ghost stories that remain, come and join us at five o'clock tomorrow. You can find out how to sign up for that tour on our website at newlandcuriosities.com. And of course, you can also check us out for our seven o'clock tour, which is our Shadows and Stones Cemetery tour. Touring New Hampshire's oldest common burying ground. How spooky cool is that? So um, we don't do a lot of tours anymore, as you know, um, just because of what's going on in the world. Um, but we do have a limited number of tours that you can come and join us on. And we've got two tomorrow. So come and join us if you have the opportunity to do so. So I am just going to reach back here and bring in a little bit of light. How cool is this? The season of the spirits is coming soon. All right. So um, that is tomorrow. And by the way, if you are not following me on Instagram, you can find me on Instagram at RoxyZW. And I have lots of pictures of spooky places, burial grounds. Um, I sometimes wax a little bit poetic and nostalgic on Instagram. But you can find me on Instagram at RoxyZW. And um, I did decide that next month, um, in addition to doing our pop-up ghost story night, I will be doing ghost stories for kids. I'm not exactly sure what day, but I'm going to break out a old vintage book and I'm going to tell a few ghost stories for kids so you can round them up and watch that at any time. Remember all of our videos, you can replay those as well. Lincoln, we're in the candlelight right here. So how cool is that? Um, also, the um, Wicked Virtual Film Festival is coming um, at the end of October. I'm so excited to bring back my award-winning film, The Woodland Alchemy, um, that is part of the film festival, and two new spooky short films that I've been working on, filmed here in New England about haunted places. Aren't you excited to check those out? So um, Wicked Virtual Film Festival, you can check that out. That'll be coming up really soon. Uh, 24 hours of spooky films, including other haunted places here in New England. So you can definitely check that out coming up as well. And if you are enjoying this evening and having a um, good time with our ghost stories and you're from far away and you're interested in partaking in our giveaway tonight, make sure that you list where you're watching from and that you're interested in our giveaway. And I will make sure that um, I will add you to our list of contestants for a vintage photo and some antique uh, calling cards from the 1800s from Maine. So just make sure you let me know that. And if you're really having a good time, I am on Venmo. You can find me at RoxyZW. All right, so it's getting dark. I can hear the crickets out. This is very exciting. I've got a whole bunch of dead people buried over there. I kid you not, there's 13 people in my backyard. Could be more, not quite sure um, if there is more. But um, my house is haunted, as you know. We've seen um, a gentleman standing on my staircase, and uh, it was an older gentleman. And when we first moved in, I decided that um, I was just going to talk to him and just say, you know, hey, you don't want to bother anybody in the house. And he was around for the first couple of years, which is kind of strange, but all seems to be quiet now. And sometimes ghosts just want acknowledgement, right? All right. So um, we have been looking at 
the Massachusetts Book of the Dead. Just in case you didn't know, I've written, you know, a few books from New England Curiosities. Um, so I wanted to do, God, there's, I got so many stories in my head that um, I want to do too. Um, I'm wondering if maybe I should pull one from one of my tours. I'm really, I'm tempted. You know what? I'll do a short one from the book and then I'll do um, one from my tour. So we'll, we'll round it out really good tonight. All right. So um, let me go back into my spooky tomb. And by spooky tomb, I mean spooky book, not my actual tomb like John Hayes Hammond Jr. I mean, how cool is that story, right? You know, here, let's go have lunch on my future grave. All right. So um, we're going to stick with uh, kind of the uh, the theme of strange graves for for just a memento mori, as we like to say. And um, what we're going to do is a little story from Cape Cod. All right, so let's settle back in for this story. And we'll get really super spooky like we're sitting around the fire. All right, located on the quiet end of Route 6 in Truro, Massachusetts, is the Old North Cemetery, once known as the Burying Acre. Ooh, the Burying Acre. The cemetery's first burial took place in 1713 so well over 300 years ago. The sandy grounds are clear and wide open with very few trees or shrubs in the cemetery. The hill that the cemetery is on was known throughout the 18th and 19th century as the Hill of Storms. Can you imagine being buried on the Hill of Storms? So where's Aunt Bethany buried? Oh, she's buried on the Hill of Storms. But why is it called the Hill of Storms? And why is it haunted? All right. The townspeople had built their meeting house at the top of the hill, which had a splendid view looking down into the village. Deacon Collins was one of the men who helped to raise the meeting house, and he even helped split and to chop the wood. He always made sure that he sat in a position in the church where he could get a good view of all the parishioners so he could wake them up, dare them fall asleep during a sermon. So did you know that ministers back in the day used something called poking sticks? It was actually a long stick and they would walk up the aisles and if you fell asleep, they would poke you with the stick to make sure that you stayed awake. I mean, can you imagine? Hey, you over there, poke, poke, poke with the stick. All right. The deacon was always concerned with making sure that he transported the sacramental wine for the Sabbath. Time and time again, going to the meeting house, he oversaw the movement. At times, the old horse carrying it didn't move quickly enough for the deacon. He shouted and he flailed it as they trod up upon the hill. Often the deacon overexcited himself and his horse too, as he was always the first to arrive at the meeting house, far before any of the parishioners. One spring, the townsfolk of Truro had to deal with the sad return of a ship that had survived a calamity known as the Seven Ways Gale. The gale shifted the boat seven different ways against the tide smashing the mast of the ship to pieces. 
The vessel was owned by a man named Henry Rich, and he had a young son, Silas, who was on board with him. Silas was well known and loved by the community, and he was forever telling everyone how he couldn't wait to take a voyage out at sea. So what do you think of this young Silas, hmm? Do you think there's gonna be some incident with him? What do you think of the seven ways? The seven ways, Gail. Oh, such a good story. All right. The people were heartbroken when they learned that he was that poor Silas was tangled in the ship's rigging and dragged into the water during the storm. A wave threw him back on the boat, but the boy's head collided with the ship's great mast and he lost his memory. He no longer was the same boy everyone had known. His speech and memory seemed slower and he appeared sad and strangely moved when he walked. The asylums on the lower cape would not take the boy in and he became a responsibility of the town. Silas was a good young man and he was liked by everyone. Sometimes he would be found sitting wandering in the dunes and the townsmen would have to walk him back home. He went to church every Sunday and sat quietly during the services and the townspeople seemed to have patience for the poor unfortunate boy and they always used gentle words with him. The following year, Deacon Collins was preparing materials needed for Sabbath services, and once again, he was in a rush. He worried that the Lord would look upon him in disfavor if he did not deliver the sermon on time. The deacon mounted his horse and showered kicks and blows against the nag to get her to move quickly. The tired horse sped up the hill, but unfortunately slipped in the sand. The wine almost fell off the horse, and the deacon could barely hold on himself. Trying to regain control, he didn't see Silas directly in his path. The horse charged into the young boy and knocked him to the ground. The deacon was in such a frenzy that he almost didn't even notice what had just happened. The horse's hooves even nicked a few gravestones before it finally stopped in the cemetery. The deacon arrived at the meeting house early as usual, However, coming right after him were a few men of the town and they were carrying the body of Silas. The boy never opened his eyes again. The townspeople turned away from the deacon, unable to look at him. And the deacon himself realized what he had done. One of the good men of the town tried to speak to the crowd while the deacon took one last look at Silas and walked out of the meeting house. The townsfolk elected the Goodman as the new deacon and the former deacon Collins never attended another service. When he died, the deacon was buried upon the hill, as was Silas. And those who remember the story said that the impression of the horse's hooves never disappeared from the burial ground until the former deacon was dead. They said that his spirit could not rest in heaven and you can still see him in the burial ground on the first Sunday of the month when the moon is out at midnight. According to the story, he descends from heaven and rides through the hill of storms to visit Silas's grave. And there he prays all night until dawn when he rides his horse back to heaven. Evidence of his visit can be seen viewing the horseshoe marks on the ground. Well, what do you think of that story? From Truro, Massachusetts, which is of course on Cape Cod, and if you haven't been to Cape Cod, 
they have so many ghost stories there. And of course, Truro is on a part of the Cape that is known as the Old Cape. So of course you come on to the Cape and you're in the Lower Cape, then you're Mid Cape, but the Old Cape is Truro, Wellfleet, Provincetown, Easton, and there are some wild and woolly stories out there. So do you dare go take a look on the hill to see if the horse's hooves are there or perhaps the spirit of Silas and the old minister? I'll leave it for you to decide. So a couple of really fun stories tonight from our Massachusetts Book of the Dead. There it is. And um, of course, I mentioned that I might share a story from one of our tours. You know, I, I was thinking about um, the tours and it's just, it's so amazing that we are just about 20 years of doing ghost tours here um, on the seacoast. It's really quite incredible. Um, and I'm just, I'm so grateful that I'm still able to tell stories um, in some way, even though we're not doing them in, uh, in the full capacity that we fully, fully enjoy. Um, but again, you can, you can come out and, and join us if you have an opportunity for, for our tours. All right, so what story from our tours is it going to be tonight? Oh my gosh, there's so many good ones that I just want to tell. Um, let's see. I think I will share one of my stories that um, people often ask, has anything ever happened to you? And we're actually going to be in um, this burial ground tomorrow. So I figured why not tell a, a little foreshadowing story of one of our favorite burial grounds. So um, tomorrow we're going to the Point of Graves for our Shadows and Stones cemetery tour. Notice how shadowy it is. And um, the Point of Graves is New Hampshire's oldest common burying ground. It dates back officially to 1671, although burials took place there as early as the 1650s. Um, it's a beautiful burying ground with lots of great old stones, you know, the skulls and crossbones and, you know, really creepy epitaphs, uh, you know, that all foreshadow death. You know, death was a big reality for people back in the day. And it's really reflected when you look at these old grim stones, that it's not so much a gravestone with the image for the person that is buried there, that it's more a warning for the living that as you're to walk by those gravestones, you're to contemplate your own existence on earth. Were you being a good person? Were you following the teachings of the church? That that could be you that is buried there. So it was one of the places that not only did I love to go and tour, but I also just loved to go on a nice day. You know, just wander around, take some pictures of the gravestones, sit on the bench, contemplate the existence of the dearly departed. Well, I gotta tell you, it was a beautiful August afternoon. It's absolutely beautiful. And while I'm there, I'm just taking pictures of the gravestones. And of course, next thing you know, I'm there taking pictures of the gravestones and go to walk away to take a picture of another stone. And the next thing that you know, I feel as if someone is reaching out and grabbing my shoulder. So I turn around to see if anybody's there. And it wasn't as if someone had just brushed by my shoulder, but clearly it was a hand. 
on my shoulder. So I turned around and I looked to see if anybody was there and there was nobody there. The only other person that was even remotely close to me was my husband and he was standing way over at the cemetery gate. So picture me now, I'm down there by the gravestone looking around, clearly I was a little bit spooked and I yell across the burial ground and I said, honey, honey, I think something touched me. In his effervescent response, he looks down to me and looks around and says back, there's nobody down there but you. So of course, as you know, I've been into ghost stories my entire life, collecting ghost stories for as long as I can remember. You know what I did that afternoon? I ran out of the cemetery. I did. I ran out of the cemetery, through the gates, across the street, onto the sidewalk, and I was like, what the heck is that? Of course, once again, my brilliant husband comes over and he says, wow, you know the cemetery is haunted. I'm like, yeah, but you know, nothing ever happens when I'm in there. Not until that day, I'll tell you. So of course I figured, you know, well, it is haunted and you know, a little something happened. So now every time I went to the barrel crown, I was a little bit on alert. I'm like, hmm, I wonder. Well, we were in there a short time later and there was a young girl, she was probably about eight years old and we're walking around and looking at all of the scary, you know, the skulls and the angels and it was dark. And I said to her mom, I said, you know, is she gonna be okay because it's a little spooky in here? And she says, why, of course, no, she loves old cemeteries. And I said to myself, I said, you know, where were you when I was eight and loved old cemeteries? Like nobody wanted to hang out in the old cemeteries with me. So of course, we're at one gravestone telling the story and looking at the carving of the skull and bones and the little girl walks away and she walks over to the stone that I had been at when I had had that weird experience. And she says, you know, She's very lonely and sad. I said, what? She's very lonely and sad. So the first thing I'm thinking is, okay, this is a little spooky. What is going on here? And of course, you know, I always think of, you probably, hopefully you'll be with me on this. The movie, you know, where, do they know that they're dead? You know what movie I'm talking about, right? Does he know he's dead? Does Bruce Willis know he's dead? So of course, I had to stop and think about it. And I said, wait a minute. I have grown up with so many stories about children with imaginary friends, seeing spirits, and sometimes they're dismissed. But kids, I found, tend to just be open little channels that sometimes they can see and perceive things that sometimes us folk just kind of dismiss. There's a little, little bit of openness sometimes. So I didn't dismiss the story. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? So of course I started to notice that as we got to the burial ground and we'd just be standing there at the gate waiting to go in, all of a sudden someone in the group would say, hey, what's the story with that grave down there? And I'd be like, which grave? They're like, that one down there, I've got to go see it. Is it on the tour? And I'd be like, yeah, it's, it's on the tour. Have you been here before? No, but there's something about it. People would actually say, 
out of all the gravestones that are there, people would say that gravestone had called to them. So of course, it was happening quite a lot. And I soon realized that there's gotta be a little something going on here. So every once in a while, you know, some of the local ghost hunter groups will come by and ask if there's a, you know, a place that we can go and check out. So they, you know, wanted to come down to the point of graves. So we went over to the grave and they brought a, a little ghost beater with them. And they said, all right, you know, can we put this down and see if we can communicate? And I said, sure. So they put the meter on the grave and they're like, all right, you know, well, if you're here, can you move the meter? So, all right, so you're thinking, you know, it's a meter, it's gonna light up or, you know, maybe it's gonna sound off with some sort of sound. So they put the meter on the grave. And as soon as they asked, if you're here, can you move the meter? The meter didn't light up, it didn't make a sound, but what it actually did was flip over in front of everybody. And we were actually doing that while we were on a tour. Again, they had come down, wanted to see what we do on the tours, and that was quite a moment. We've had a lot of people take interesting photos there. I'll be walking through the streets of Portsmouth and someone will walk up and say, oh, point of graves, I've got a story for you. And I'm like, all right, so if everybody has a story about this burial ground, which again is well over 300 years old, it's in the old red light district, is there something really to it? And there's a lot of graves in there with amazing stories, but um, it really just seems to be one of those places that is you know, quintessential. It's small, it's not a huge burial ground. You can't drive through there. It's just a, maybe an acre and a half at best. But when we go in there, I mean, we're in there for like an hour and a half and we still can't see everything because there's so many stories. So is there a, is there a great spooky burial ground near you somewhere? Um, I'm constantly, constantly out there looking for um, burial grounds. If you, if you look at my um, Instagram, you'll see I'm, I'm in, a, different burial ground almost every other day. Um, I actually just got back. I did um, the burial ground in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. I just posted a couple of uh, pictures this week from there. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I was up in Bangor, Maine and went to, uh, of course, Mount Hope Cemetery, which is supposed to be quite haunted. Um, I checked out the locations uh, in the cemetery where they filmed Pet Cemetery and took a look at some of the most amazing graves there, strange uh, statuary, um, all sorts of really cool things. And um, wherever I go, I'm always looking for a, a cemetery or burial ground. And I'm never disappointed, like they always have a story or an intriguing grave or some kind of mystery that is out there. So um, it's really, really cool. And um, I just, uh, I'll keep you uh, in tune with all of the adventures that I have coming up when it comes to burial grounds. All right, so we're starting to wind down. So um, I just wanted to give you a quick reminder that if you wanted to partake in tonight's giveaway contest, you can go ahead and um, tell me that you wanna be in the contest, tell me where you're watching from. I know a lot of you, I see so many familiar faces in here, you know I'm gonna go back through the comments a little bit later this evening and uh, of course respond to some of your comments and questions. Don't forget, we have virtual tours coming up. We've got Marblehead, we've got Salem, we've got a great Halloween folklore workshop coming up a little bit later this month. Um, all of our information, of course, is on our website as well. And um, 
We're gonna be decking out this yard. How exciting is that? We're gonna do this massive yard haunt back here and just light it all up real spooky. Maybe we'll take a walk through it. Um, there's all sorts of really fun things that we have going on. Don't forget the Wicked Virtual Film Fest. Um, we're gonna be doing the five and 10 night, which is gonna be great. That'll be right here on Facebook. So I really hope that you are enjoying um, everything that we do here at New England Curiosities. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's it's basically kind of like a one woman show. I have people that that um, you know help me out when they can, and um, there's just there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. You know, I have um, such a love for New England um, history and folklore, architecture, and I really try to bring that to everything that I do. Um, I try to give back as often as I can, particularly with these um, these ghost storytelling nights. I know that not everybody can afford to, you know, buy a book or come on a tour or what have you. So I try to make it really easy for us to connect and stay positive and um, and stay spooky. I mean, this is, this is what I do. I live and breathe New England curiosities. This is, you know, this is a way of life. And I'm so glad that you found us here at New England Curiosities. Um, I hope that you know you've hit the follow button on our page and that'll have an opportunity to see you in um, a workshop or a virtual tour, but at least back here um, on Facebook Live. So as we wind down, um, you know, get out there, explore. It's the long weekend. Um, you know, get just check out the history in your backyard. You don't have to go far. There's so many cool things. You know, people sometimes think that they have to go, you know, far away and you don't. Just check out what's in your backyard and, you know, sometimes you'll find amazing houses, amazing stories and, um, you know, it sometimes gives you a whole new perspective on things. So thank you all so much for joining me for a pop-up ghost storytelling night. Keep an eye out next month. We're going to do this again, um, five and ten, kids ghost stories. Um, but come and join us if you can um, and come and take a class. So I am Roxy Zwicker from New England Curiosities, sitting here in the dark with you. Many happy hauntings and stay spooky, my friends. Take care. Bye-bye.